Ilzate. Welcome to another episode of Tolkien Takeaway. I'm your host, Vasilius Asimakos, recording from Chatsworth, California. We have reached it. Episode 32, The Felves, Part 2. This episode on the podcast, Finarfin, Fingon, and Finrod. But first, of course, the news from Numenor. Oxenmoot is going digital this year. So traditionally, Oxenmoot is a large gathering uh, for Tolkien fans and academics organized by the Tolkien Society. And there are lectures, there are workshops, there's a, there are quizzes, um, musical performances, gaming, uh, there are costume contests, that sort of thing. And this year, these all of these activities are going to be moved to Zoom. Zoom, we all know it, we all love it now, uh, with the organizers doing their best to preserve... Uh, as much of the authentic experience as possible. So the event is going to run from Friday, September 18th to uh, Sunday, September 20th, 2020. And when registration is open, I will I will let everybody know. And then in the show notes, I will post a link to uh, what they know so far, what they know so far. Okay, so that's it for the news for today. So let's get right into it. If you recall, the uh, the point of this episode and the one before it is to serve as a refresher course for myself initially, first and foremost, and to everyone listening as uh, a refresher course on the famous First Age Elves whose name whose names begin with the letter F. First Age F named Elves. There you go. First Age F named Elves. Before we dive into it, I do want to clear up one thing uh, uh, somebody on Twitter pointed out, actually, that uh, the first age means different things to different people. Some people interpret it as the, as, as the time that began with the, the first rising of the sun, okay, the first rising of the sun uh, in Middle-earth. Before that were the years of the trees, where time was measured um, by the trees, Laurel and Telperion in Valinor, and before that... There was time even before that, from creation up until that point. So one way of interpreting first age is from measuring from the first rising of the sun up until the the, the end of the first age, which is universally accepted as the age of as the the war of wrath. Um, but I'm going to take the way that I'm uh, I'm talking about it is the more casual interpretation, which is just from creation up until the war of wrath. Um, so measuring it from the sun, the first rising of the sun. F- up until the age of wrath isn't incorrect, um, but I'm just using the more the more loose interpretation of of uh, of the creation up until the war of wrath. Okay, so last week we covered uh, Finwë, Feanor, and Fingolfin, and this week we're going to cover Finarfin, Fingon, and Finrod. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to share uh, who your favorite F named first age elf is. Um, based on a Twitter poll, and then who my favorite First Age elf is, okay? So, we'll begin this week's episode with Finarfin. Finarfin. Okay, so Finarfin was the youngest son of Finwë and Indus, and he was the youngest brother uh, to Feanor and Fingolfin. He was born in Valinor. So, Finwë had three sons, Feanor, Fingolfin, and Finarfin. We're talking about Finarfin now. So the Silmarillion calls him the fairest and wisest of Finwë's sons, the fairest and wisest. And so he married and he had four children, including our old friend Galadriel. So Galadriel was one of Finarfin's children. 
that's how far back Galadriel goes. She is the granddaughter of the one of one of the first chieftains of the elves who awoke, who had no parents. That's how far back she goes. Okay, so uh, remember, Feanor tried to rile up, uh, rile up the Noldor to to leave Valinor and go to Middle Earth and and, and make war on Morgoth. Um, and when he did that, Fenarfin, who was his younger brother, remember, wasn't really into it. He didn't really want to go, but his children did. And so since his children did want to go, he decided to go with them. But he was at the very end of the host of all of the group that went over, that, le- that left Valinor and was moving, moving towards Middle-earth. He was at the very end, so he actually uh, didn't participate in the kinslaying. By the time he got there, it was over. So he actually didn't participate in the kinslaying. So after the kinslaying, uh, Mandos, one of the Valar, appears to the whole group, to all of the leaders and to the whole group of the Noldor, and pronounced his doom, um, the doom of Mandos. And he said, he said that anybody who followed Fanor would be plagued by hardship and death for the rest of their lives, for the rest of their lives. And they would pass on those hard times to their uh, uh, descendants, to their descendants. And at this, Finarfin, who had never really wanted to go in the first place, he turned back with a small group of the of the Noldor. He turned back. He didn't want any more of this. So he went all the way back to Valinor. And he, when he got there, he repented uh, for leaving, and he asked forgiveness, and he was pardoned by the Valar. He was pardoned by the Valar. And after that, he became High King of the Noldor in Valinor. So he became the one that was in charge of all the Noldor who remained in Valinor, all the ones who never left and the ones that he brought back with him. It doesn't really appear again in any stories until the end of the First Age when the hosts of the Valar who came, uh, came to Middle-earth and they made battle on Morgoth. And he went with them, leading the host of, 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 of the Noldor, and leading the army of the Noldor, he came back, and after that hard fight, they were victorious. And he then, after that, returned, went right back to Valinor, and continued to rule the Noldor in Valinor. So, was born in Valinor. Just a quick summary. He was born in Valinor. He followed Fanor on his expedition, uh, his pride-filled expedition to Middle-earth, um, as soon as the Doom of Mandos uh, was proclaimed, though, he had second thoughts about it, and he immediately turned back, and he repented. The Valar forgave him, and he became High King of the Noldor in Valinor. And during the, the War of Wrath that ended the First Age, he came back to Middle-earth, leading an army of the Noldor against Morgoth. And uh, after that, he, he, he proved victorious went right back to Valinor and continued to rule. And they say he still rules the Noldor in Valinor because he has no reason to die, right? He has no reason to die. So he is still the king of the of the Noldor in Valinor. So that's the story of our friend Finarfin. Next, we'll move on to Fingon. Now, Fingon was the oldest son of Fingolfin, and he is known as Fingon the Valiant. So remember, we've got Finway, who's the father, and he fathers Feanor, Fingolfin, and Finarfin, who we just talked about. 
Fingon is the son, is the firstborn son of Fingolfin. So, when Feanor riled up the Noldor to go to Middle-earth, Fingon supported him. Fingon was a Feanor guy. He was a fan of Feanor. And so he eagerly led the house of Fingolfin in the exodus from Valinor. Okay? So, even though even though um, Fingolfin was his father and was technically in charge of the of the of the of the of the group under him that that followed Feanor the Fingolfinians so to speak uh Fingon who was who was really excited about going and whose heart was in it who was in this 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 exodus um really led led that group led that group so he partic- actually partici- as such he participated in the kinslaying not knowing quite what had started it so yeah so he was involved in that unfortunately even though uh, he didn't have, he didn't hold as much blame as Feanor or the, those close to him did. And after hearing the Doom of Mandos, he didn't want to leave Feanor's group. So Finarfin and some and some people turned back. Fingon did not turn back. He didn't want to leave Feanor's group uh, because he was still close to a lot of people, uh, his kindred in Feanor's group in Feanor's uh, host. Um, but then, when Feanor abandoned Fingolfin's host in the Helcaraxe, um, and that, of course, includes Fingon, and the rest of the leaders of the Noldor, uh, Fingon, along with his father, and his, uh, and his siblings, and, uh, Finarf, and some, and Finra- Finarfin's children, led his people across the Helcaraxe, um, into Middle-earth, and that was a great deed. That was a deed of great bravery and valor. And the most famous Fingon story is the story of the rescue of Maedros. So Maedros was the eldest son of Feanor. And he was captured by Morgoth, and he was chained by his hand to Thangorodrim, which is uh, an enormous mountain under which was the fortress of Morgoth, uh, Angband. So Fingon is there. So, uh, sorry, Maedros is there, and he's chained um, by his wrist to the the sheer uh, face of a mountain. And um, Fingon was very close to Maedros back in the day. And so he went on this rescue mission. He decided to go on this rescue mission to find Maedros, uh, to search for him and to find him and uh, hopefully to rescue him. And he couldn't find him. He searched and he searched and he searched, but he could not find him. And out of emotion he began singing and playing his harp very loudly. And there's this amazing moment where Maedros starts to sing in response to Fingon's song. So Maedros um, realizes who it is and, and begs Fingon to shoot an arrow up and kill him and end his pain, end his mi- misery. And Fingon is tortured about it, but he... he, he, he he puts an arrow to his to his string, and he is about to follow through with it, just to to save his cousin from uh, this torture that he's going through. Um, but at that moment, our old friend Thorondor, the Lord of the Eagles, shows up, carries Fingon up to Maedros. Maedros tries to break the chain uh, that's that is chaining Maedros to the mountain, but he can't. So he famously cuts. Maedros's hand off at the wrist, at the wrist, and Thorondor 
bears both of the Noldor uh, to safety, to safety. And um, because of that, uh, that's when Maedros ceded uh, his, uh, his title as High King of the Noldor and actually went to Fingolfin. And that's when Fingolfin, who was Fingon's father, became High King of the Noldor. Um, so after that, he won a couple of victories. Uh, Fingon won a couple of victories in, in, in Middle-earth against Morgoth, uh, including one where he led, I led a, gloop, a group of archers to defeat the, the dragon Glaurung. And that was a big moment. And he helped maintain the long peace. Remember, I talked about the long peace in the last episode where um, there was exactly that, the long peace from the ravages of Morgoth in Middle-earth. But finally, in the Dagor Bragalak, or the Battle of Sudden Flame, he was defeated. And that is the battle after which Fingolfin went and challenged Morgoth single combat, remember, and was killed. And uh, after, so he was defeated in the Battle of the Sudden Flame, Fingon was. And um, when his father, after that, was killed by Morgoth, he became High King of the Noldor for a time. And then later, in the Battle of a Number Tears, he was uh, he was uh, surrounded. His his group was surrounded, and he uh, faced off against uh, Gothmog, who was the Lord of the Balrogs, and dueled him one on one. But then another Balrog came and uh, tied his legs and bound him with a with 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 his whip, and Gothmog killed him with uh, a black axe. With his black axe, killed Fingon with his black axe, and famously. Um, as soon as he struck, um, as he st- as soon as he struck Fingon's helm with his black axe, uh, a, a white a white burst of flame came up from uh, from the helmet from the helm, uh, but Fingon died, and then unfortunately the 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 forces of the Dark Lord uh, desecrated his body, and so ended Fingon the Valiant. Fingon the Valiant, a, a great a great character was very ambitious as a young as a younger elf um uh led his people across across the helka helped lead his people across the across the icy helkaraxe um boldly rescued maedros from his imprisonment um and uh uh won a uh, won a few battles in middle earth against morgoth but finally was uh was defeated by morgoth's forces and and died uh, a, a a pretty ugly though heroic death. So that that was that was Fingon the Valiant. So the final felf we're going to talk about is Finrod, also known as Finrod Felagund, and he was the eldest son of Finarfin, who we talked about a few minutes ago, and he was the older brother to Galadriel, older brother to Galadriel. So Finrod was the son of Finarfin. So remember, so we've got. So we've got Finway, who is the father, who's who is the the first high king of the Noldor, and he's got Feanor, Fingolfin, and Finarfin. I'm repeating it to help to help all of you who need remembering remember. So you got Finway, and then he has three sons: Feanor, Fingolfin, Finarfin. Uh, Fingolfin uh, ha- has Fingon, who we just talked about, and Finarfin has Finrod, Finrod Feligund, who we're about to talk about. So Finrod, during the Feanor upheaval, he didn't want to leave Valinor. He kind of like his father. He didn't want to leave Valinor, but he also didn't want to be separated from his people. So he decided to follow Feanor, 
And being at the back of his host with his father, Finarfin, he did not participate in the kinslaying either. But he also didn't turn back after the Doom of Mandos because he didn't want to leave his kin, his family, uh, that was in Fingolfin's group, that were going ahead. So he felt a responsibility to them, and he kept going a bit ahead. So he, like everyone else, was also abandoned in the Helcaraxe, and he, like Fingolfin and Fingon and Galadriel, helped lead his people across the icy wastes uh, to Middle-earth and into Middle-earth. So after that, once, when he, when he arrived in Middle-earth, after that, when camping on the banks of the river Sirion, Olmo, who's another Vala, uh, the, 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 the sea Vala, the water Vala, came to him and his cousin Turgon in a dream and told them to found hidden elven strongholds, to build and to start a, these hidden elven strongholds. And Finrod ended up founding the elven stronghold of Nargothrond. And this was a, an elven stronghold that had these deep, deep halls and armories. It was an incredible place. And he enlisted the help of dwarves to do this. And that's where he got his epithet, Felagund, which means maker of caves. That dwarves gave, gave him that name, gave him that name. So after this, once when he was out journeying, journeying on his own, he came upon men for the first time. He discovered men. He had never seen men before, the men in Middle-earth. And uh, they were all in a deep sleep. And we actually talked about this. Uh, this, is, this is what we talked about in the Hobbit Hole quote when I had uh, Charlie Vaughn on uh, a few episodes ago. They were asleep, and he sang. He took a harp that one of them had, and he sang and he played music for them. And the men... Uh, awoke and thought that they were in that they were still in some fair dream and he stayed with the men for a very long time and he learned their language and he taught them Sindarin he taught them Sindarin taught them Elvish and after that he even guided the men to a safe place where they wouldn't be comp competing with the green elves so he immediately um, he he found the men he immediately had this this paternal instinct and he taught them and he taught them uh, wisdom and art and he led them to safety um, right away so they thought that he was something like a god but he uh, had no impulse to uh, uh, to dominate them or rule over them his first impulse was to teach them and to keep them safe so um, after that he participated in the Dagor Bragalak, um, which was, uh, remember, the, the Battle of Sunflame, where he was surrounded and almost killed, but he was saved by Barahir, who was a brave uh, chieftain of men. And uh, after that, he, he, he vowed an oath of abiding friendship to Barahir's house and gave him his ring, gave him his own ring, which became known as the Ring of Barahir. And... Later, when Barahir's son Baron asked Finrod for help to go and reclaim the Silmarillion from Morgoth's crown, Finrod uh, fulfilled his oath, and uh, he and ten others went with Baron to, uh, to get the Silmarillion from Morgoth's crown. So through Finrod's magic, they were disguised as orcs, and they made their way uh, uh, quite a long way, uh, getting into the, the territory of the enemy. And they were eventually captured by Sauron, who was a lieutenant of Morgoth at this time. 
uh, Morgoth's right hand man, and Sa- that's that's where uh, Sauron and Finrod strove quote strove in songs of power, and so they sang these these basically these spells is kind of a crude way of putting it, but these songs that that had this this power in them, and uh, you know a magic is a, another is a, is another crude way to put it these magical songs. Um, so Finrod sang his and Sauron sang his for mastery. It was a battle, but it was in song. And eventually, uh, Finrod, whose song was very strong, uh, was defeated by Sauron. And uh, they were revealed, their disguises were revealed, and they were all captured and taken to the Isle of Werewolves, the Isle of Werewolves, and interrogated. Um, but none of them, none of those who were captured would give their names or their purpose. So they were bound up, and one by one, werewolves would come and kill them and devour them and so they were bound uh in the darkness and and one by one werewolves would come and kill them and this was an intimidation tactic by sauron Uh, but none of them would give away who they were or what their purpose was so finally it was just finrod and baron left and and, and and a werewolf came to kill Baron, and Finrod uh, finally burst his bonds, and he wrestled with the, with, the, with the werewolf, with this creature, and he killed it with his bare hands and his teeth, and, but he was fatally wounded, and he died in the dark. So that is how Finrod ended. So who is my favorite First Age Felf? Well, before I get to that, I, I did conduct a Twitter poll to see who your favorite uh, First Age Felf would be. So I did it in two rounds. I did kind of a, a semifinal round and a final round. And uh, those who made it to the final round were Fingolfin, Finarfin, Fingon, and Finrod. And the only ones who received votes in the final round were Fingolfin and Finrod. And 43% voted for Finrod. And 57% voted for Fingolfin. So Fingolfin was the victor. He did not prevail against Morgoth, but he did prevail in this Twitter poll. So um, here, so that, that he was your favorite. Let's see who my favorite is. So uh, let's go. Let's the process of elimination. So Fanor would be eliminated because he, he, he did so many evil things. So many evil things. Um, Finway would be eliminated because of, though he did make a, a, a bold stand against Morgoth when Morgoth came to, to steal the Silmarils from his fortress. Um, he was, he was, he, I would eliminate him because of his weakness. He really wasn't a leader. And uh, I would then eliminate Finarfin because his life was relatively uneventful. Uh, he did, he did come back and, and win a great, great battle in the War of Wrath, but that's that's pretty much the only exciting part of his life. And so that leaves us with Fingolfin, Fingon, and Finrod. Fingon, I think I would eliminate because he was too overeager a follower of Fanor, though he was uh, though he was a great warrior, and his rescue of Maedhros is one of my favorites, my favorite stories in in the whole Silmarillion. That's just a, an amazing story. So that leaves Fingolfin and Finrod, just as just as uh, as Twitter said. Fingolfin has the most epic deed, I think, in all of the Silmarillion uh, in his duel with Morgoth. So that counts for a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot. Uh, An elf challenging Avala to single combat for all the marbles. I mean, and and 
um, really doing some heavy damage before dying uh, victory, before dying uh, in defeat. But Finrod's life as a whole seals it for me. He he builds a relationship with men. He reaches out and seeks to educate them and elevate them and keep them safe instead of ruling them. Um, he builds a relationship with the dwarves. He acknowledges their talents and he rewards them ham- handsomely for their uh, for their skill and their efforts. Um, so he's fair, uh, and he honors his oath to Barahir here uh, uh, to the end of his life, and he dies sacrificing himself for his friend in a deed of incredible heroism. So for me, my favorite first age felf is Finrod Felagund. Finrod Felagund. He is my favorite. He is my favorite. So before we go on uh, to the Hobbit hole, let's, uh, let me just remind you all to please like the podcast on Facebook, Tolkien Takeaway. Just search it and it'll pop right up. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Tolkien Takeaway. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please give me a nice rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the podcast, and please leave me a review. Please email me at TolkienTakeaway at gmail.com. I would love to talk some Tolkien with you, and your email might even get on the podcast. Tell me who your favorite First Age Felf is, if you didn't get to vote in the Twitter poll. If you want to tell me again, go ahead. Who is your favorite? Um, happy to talk about it. Happy to talk about it. Happy to hear about it. Happy to talk about it. So having said all that, let's get down to the Hobbit Hole, shall we? <laughs> So today's Hobbit Hole quote is from The Fellowship of the Ring, from the chapter entitled Farewell to Lorien. Then she brought the cup to each of the company, and bade them drink and farewell. But when they had drunk, she commanded them to sit again on the grass, and chairs were set for her and for Celeborn. Her maidens stood silent about her, and a while she looked upon her guests. At last she spoke again. We have drunk the cup of parting, she said, and the shadows fall between us. But before you go, I have brought in my ship gifts which the Lord and Lady of the Galadhrim now offer you in memory of Lothlorien. Then she called to each in turn. So then she goes ahead and she gives a sheath to Aragorn for his sword, a belt to Boromir, belts to Merian Pippin, a bow, and a quiver of arrows to Legolas, a box full of earth from uh, Lothlorien, to... Sam, and three hairs from her head to Gimli, and a small crystal file with the light of uh, Erendil's star to Frodo. Okay, so it's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple uh, uh, Hobbit hole quote today. The words in itself aren't particularly deep, but they're good launching off point to what I'd like to talk about today which is gift-giving, gift-giving. So, as you all know, we are expecting a baby, and she is coming very, very soon. And we have just been blessed with family and friends who have absolutely showered us with gifts for our little one. We're very, very blessed, and we're very, very grateful. And uh, because we've had to purchase very, very little for her. And for a while, box after box after box would just show up uh, at our front door. And it, it was a very humbling experience. I've never had anything like that happen before. I've never seen anything like that before. And it got me thinking about gifts. What is it about gifts? What is so great about gifts? And uh, I think it's because gifts denote sacrifice. So whether a gift is made or a gift is bought, 
gifts denote sacrifice. It's, it could be a sacrifice of time. It could be a sacrifice of materials. It could be a sacrifice of money. And all those, all those sacrifices for the sake of someone else, for the sake of someone else. So a gift is like saying, I can keep this, but I will not. I will not keep this. I'm going to give it to you. This could be mine, but I am consciously choosing, but I am choosing that it, that it will not remain mine, but it will go to you, whatever it is. And uh, giving gifts are quite common, and as is receiving them, I guess. So there are birthdays, feast days, Christmas, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Days, weddings, graduations, bridal showers, baby showers, and we just have a myriad of, of opportunities to give and to receive gifts, which is which is good in one sense, and which is good in one sense, but it's also so common, and because it's common, and now with you know with things like Amazon so quick and easy, we might lose sight of just how beautiful a thing gift giving is, and it it, it gift giving can just become a blip on the radar. It, it's, you know, it, you open the card, you take the money out, you barely read what's in it, you send a thank you text maybe, and you're done, you know, if, uh, one example, and I've been guilty of doing that before, but in, but in reality, the, the sacrifice involved in gift giving is, is a moving, it's, it's a beautiful thing, it's indicative of somebody telling you, I am with you, I support you, I'm with you, and I support you enough to give you a piece of myself in some ways for your benefit. That's how much I'm with you. That's how much I support you. That's how much I love you. So may our gift giving feature a conscious remembrance of our love of the recipient. And may our gift receipt feature, not the paper, the actual reception, feature an acknowledgement of the sacrifice and support of the giver. So may we all seek to support each other in every way we can on our difficult paths to Mount Doom and back. Special thanks to Melinda Asimakos for her support and letting me bounce ideas off of her as always. Thank you to Alan and Sean at the Prancing Pony Podcast for partially inspiring this episode. And thanks be to God for all things. That's it for me, boys and girls. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you next time. Namadie. Namadie.